Hello, my friends, and this is another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Netjabar. This is going to be episode 113, and it's going to be an episode dedicated to uh, technically Our Lady of Guadalupe, because I didn't get a chance to do uh, a podcast for that particular day, but I'm going to make this podcast right now, uh, but I'm going to put in, it's going to be like a my own picked readings um, for for this one. So um, let's begin first with the act of contrition in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to please pray for me and with me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. And uh, we'll say the Gloria today. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High. Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. I'm going to read from Genesis. I'm going to start from uh, chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, Let us make mankind in our likeness an image and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the wild animals and reptiles that crawl upon the earth god created mankind in his image in the image of god he created them male and female he created them God blessed them and told them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I give you every plant that produces seed upon the earth and every tree that has fruit with its seed inside of it. These shall be your food. And I give all green plants to every wild animal and to all the birds of the air and to all creatures that move upon the surface of the earth and that have the breath of life in them. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and behold, it was very good. This was the evening of 
the sixth day. Chapter 2 of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. This is how the heavens and the earth and everything in them were made. God completed his work on the seventh day, and on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Because God blessed the seventh day and consecrated it, for on it he rested from all the work he had done when he created all things. This was the origin of the heavens and the earth when they were first created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and there was not yet any plants of the, of the field, nor had any herb sprouted in the field. For the Lord God had not yet made it rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the soil. He made a mist rise out of the ground to water the whole surface of the earth. Then the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the earth, and he breathed his breath of life into his nostrils, and man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and he put the man he had formed there. The Lord God made all sorts of beautiful and nourishing trees sprout out of the earth, among which was the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. Then it divided into four tributaries. The first river was called the Peshan. It waters the whole land of Havilah, where one can find gold, and the gold of that land is good. One can also find Bidlam and Onyx in, the land, in that land. The second river is the Gihon. It flows in the land of Ethiopia. The third river is the Tigris. It flows to the east of the land of Ashur. The fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden so that he might work it and care for it. The Lord God, called, the Lord God told the man, You can eat any of the trees in the garden, but you must never eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you were to eat from it, you would surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I wish to make him another creature who would be like him. The Lord God therefore formed every sort of wild animal and all the birds of the air, and he brought them before the man to see what he would name them. Whatever the man called each living creature, that was the name that it would be, it would bear. The man gives names to every type of animal all the birds of the air and all the wild animals, but the man could not find anything that was like him. The Lord God therefore caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. He took one of his ribs and replaced it with flesh. And the Lord God then formed a woman out of the rib 
that he had taken from the man. He brought her before the man. The man said, This one is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and his mother and joins with a wife, and the two become one flesh. Now the man and the woman were naked, but they did not feel any shame. Genesis chapter 3 The serpent was the most clever of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. It said to the woman, Is it true that God told you not to eat of any of the trees in the garden? The woman answered the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but as for the fruit of the trees in the midst of the garden, God said that we must not eat nor even touch it, lest we die. But The serpent said to the woman, Certainly you shall not die. God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing that which is good and that which is evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasing to look at and desirable for imparting wisdom. She took some fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he also ate it. Their eyes were opened, and they realized that they were naked. They took fig leaves, sewed them together, making themselves a covering. They then heard the Lord God walking in the garden towards the evening. The man and his wife hid themselves from the Lord God, amongst the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where were you? He answered, I heard you walking in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. He said, Who let you know that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I command you not to eat? The man answered, The woman whom you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree, and I ate it. The Lord God said to the woman, What have you done? The woman answered, The serpent tricked me, and I ate it. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you will be the most cursed of all the animals and of all the wild beasts. On your belly you shall crawl, and you shall eat dust, and for all the days of your life. I will establish hostility between you and the woman, between your line and her line. Interesting, he used the word line instead of seed. Her offspring will crush your head, and you will bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will multiply your sufferings in childbirth. With pain you shall bear your children. You shall desire your husband, but he shall lord it over you. To the man, he said, because you listened to the voice of your wife and you ate from the tree which, from which I had commanded you not to eat, cursed be the soil because of you. With effort you shall ob- obtain food all the days of your life. 
thorns and thistles shall it bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the plants of the field. You shall have to sweat to eat your bread until the day when you return to the dust, and from it you were drawn. You, you are dust, and unto dust you shall return. The man called his wife Eve, for she was the mother of all those who lived. The Lord God made clothing for the man and the, and the man and the woman out of animal skins, and he clothed them. The Lord God said, Behold, man has become like one of us, for he has knowledge of that which is good and that which is evil. Now we must prevent him from reaching out and taking the fruit of the tree of life, lest he eat it and live forever. The Lord God cast him out of the Garden of Eden. Henceforth he was to labor tilling the soil from which he had come. When he expelled him, he placed cherubim to the east of the garden and with the flaming swords to keep watch over the way to the tree of life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Okay, so this is going to be from Exodus chapter 40. God commands Moses to consecrate the tabernacle and the priests. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and said to him, On the first day of the first month, you shall set up the tabernacle, the meeting tent. Put the ark of testimony inside and in front of the ark hang the veil. Bring in the table and arrange its accessories. Then bring in the lampstand and put on its lamps. Place the altar of gold for incense before the ark of testimony and set up the screen at the entrance to the tent. Set the altar of burnt offerings in front of the entrance to the tabernacle. The meeting tent. Place the basin between the meeting tent and the altar and pour water into it. Set up the courtyard all around and put up the screen for the entrance to the courtyard. Take the oil of anointing and anoint the tabernacle and everything in it consecrate it and all its furnishings and it will become holy also anoint the altar of burnt offerings and all its accessories consecrate the altar and it will become most holy also anoint the basin and its and its base and consecrate them then have Aaron and his sons approach the entrance to the meeting tent and wash them with water. Put the holy vestments on Aaron and anoint him and consecrate him so that he may so that he, so that he might serve me as a priest. Also have his sons approach and put their tunic on them. Anoint them like their father so that they might exercise my priesthood in this way. Their anointing will confer upon them an eternal priesthood for all their generations. Moses did everything as the Lord had commanded him. Thus the second year of the first day of the first month in the tabernacle was set up. Most 
Moses erected the tabernacle. He laid its base and set up its boards. He fixed the bars and raised the columns. He then extended the tent over the tabernacle. Over that, he placed the covering for the tent, just as the Lord had commanded him. He took the testimony and placed it inside the ark. He attached the poles to the ark and put it the seat of atonement on the ark. Then he placed the ark in the tabernacle, setting up the veil as a screen and hanging in front of the testimony, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Moses placed the ark in the meeting tent on the north side of the tabernacle, outside the veil. He set up rows of bread upon it before the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded him. He set up the lampstand in the meeting tent up opposite the, ta the table on the south side of the tabernacle. He placed the lampstand on it before the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded him. Moses placed the golden altar in the meeting tent in front of the veil. And he burned fragrant incense upon it, just as the Lord had commanded him. He placed the screen at the entrance to the tabernacle. He then placed the altar of burnt offerings at the entrance to the tabernacle, the meeting tent. And he offered burnt offerings and grain offerings upon it, just as the Lord had commanded him. He placed the basin between the meeting tent and the altar, and he put water in it for ablutions. Moses, Aaron, and his sons then washed their hands and their feet with it. Whenever they entered the meeting tent, they approached the altar. They washed themselves as the Lord had commanded Moses. Finally, Moses erected the courtyard around the tabernacle and the altar and put up the screen to the entrance of the courtyard. Thus Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, and Moses could not enter the meeting tent, for the cloud had settled upon it, and the glory of the Lord had filled the tabernacle. Throughout their journey, Whenever the cloud would be taken up and leave the tabernacle, the children of Israel would break camp. If the cloud did not go up, they did not leave until it had gone up. Throughout their journey, the cloud of the Lord remained in the tabernacle during the, the day and during the night. There was a fire in it visible to all the households of Israel. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. This was from Exodus chapter 40, from verse 1, all the way down to uh, verse 38. <clears throat> this is from Second Samuel chapter 6, starting from verse 1. The ark brought to Jerusalem. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000 all. Then he set forth with his, with his entire force to Bela of Judah, Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which bears 
which bears the name of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned above the cherubim. They placed the ark of God in a new cart and brought it forth from the house of Abanadab, which stood on the hill of Uzzah. And Ahia, the, the sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart. Uzzah walked alongside the ark of God with, with Ahia walking in front. David and the entire house of Israel danced joyfully before the Lord with all their might, singing to the accompaniment of lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. When they arrived at the threshing floor of Nekan, Uzzah reached out his hands to the ark of God and steadied it because the oxen were stumbling. This aroused the Lord's anger against Uzzah because of his irreverent act, and he died there beside the ark of God. David became greatly upset because the Lord had vented his anger against Uzzah. To this very day, that place is called Parauza. David greatly feared the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord be placed in my care? Therefore, he decided not to take the ark of the Lord to be in his care in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obanadam, Obanadam the, the, the Giddite. The Ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obanadam the Giddite for three months, and the Lord blessed Obanadam and his entire household. When King David was informed that the Lord had blessed the family of Obanadam and everything in in that uh, everything that belonged to him, because the Ark of God, the Ark of God, David went and brought up the Ark of God from the house of. Aubana Adam to the city of David amid great rejoicing. When the bearers of the ark of the Lord had advanced six steps, David sacrificed an ox and a fattened calf. Then, girded with a linen opet, he danced before the Lord with all his might, as he and all the Israelites brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and blowing trump of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, watched from a window. When she saw King David leaping and whirling around before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent of David that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings in the name of the Lord of hosts. When he had finished making these offerings, he placed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. I mean, sorry, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he dis distributed food to all the people, both men and women, giving to each person in the multitude of loaf of bread, a portion of meat, and resin, cake, raisin cakes, and all the people returned to their houses. When David returned 
to bless it. When David returned to bless his household, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said, what, what an exhibit, uh, an, an exhibit, an exhibit the king of Israel has made of himself today, exposing himself in the view of the slave girls, of his followers, like, an, like any vulgarin who chooses to shamelessly expose himself before them. David replied to Michal, I was dancing in gratitude for the Lord, not for them. The, let me read this one more time. David replied to Michal, I was dancing in gratitude for the Lord, not for them. The Lord has chosen me instead of your father <clears throat> and his entire family and appointed me as leader uh, over Israel. The people of the Lord, I shall continue to dance before the Lord in gratitude, and I will de demean myself even more. I will be lowly in your esteem but I will be held in honor by, the, by those slave girls of whom you speak. Saul's daughter, Michal, had no children to the day of her death. <clears throat> this is now from uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7. And here, let's start with, from verse 1. When King David was settled in his palace, and the Lord had granted him rest from all his enemies surrounding him. He said to the prophet Nathan, Here I am, dwelling in a house of cedar, while the ark of God, the ark of God dwells in a, in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Do not hesitate to do whatever you want in mind, for the Lord is with you. However, that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David. Thus says the Lord, Are you, deter are you determined to build a house for me to dwell in? I have not dwelled in the house from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt. To this very day, I have been moving from place to place while living in a tent and a tabernacle. In all of my travels everywhere among the Israelites, did I ever ask any of the judges whom I had appointed to shepherd my people Israel while they never built me a house of cedar? Now then, this is what you are to say to my servant David. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I was the one who took you from the pastures and your work of care for the sheep to be the ruler of my people Israel. I have been with you where, wherever you want, and I have destroyed all of your enemies who dare to challenge you. Moreover, I intend to make your name as famous as the name of the greatest men on the earth. I also shall provide a place for my people Israel, and there I will plant them so that they may dwell there and never again be disturbed. Nor will the wicked afflict them any more as, as, as the case formerly. From the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, I will grant you rest from all of your enemies. Moreover, I, the Lord, promise 
that I will establish a royal house for you. And when it's time for you to be with your ancestors, I will designate as your heir one of your sons to succeed you, and I shall establish his kingdom forever. It is he who will build a house in honor of my name, and I shall ensure that his royal throne will stand firm forever. I shall be a father to him, and he will be my son. If he does wrong, I will punish him as any father would do, and not fail to inflict his chastisements upon him. However, I will never withdraw my steadfast love from him, as I withdraw it from Saul and shielded you from his vindictive plots. Your descendants and your kingdom will stand firm forever before me, and your house and your throne shall endure forever. Nathan then related all these promises and this entire revelation to David. Okay, so I'll continue here uh, from verse 18. Then King David went, and sitting in the presence of the Lord, he said, Who am I, Lord God? And what is my lineage that you have brought me from this from this far? You yet you regarded this as too insignificant an honor, Lord God. For you have also does uh dying to extend your protective care to the house of your servant for a long time to come, who can truly consider himself suffi sufficiently worthy to be the recipient of such love, Lord God. What more can David say to you, Lord God, since you know everything about your servant? For the sake of your promises and in accordance with the purpose you have in mind, you have decided to, re to reveal all this to your servant. How great you are, Lord God. There is no one like you. And there is no God except you alone, as everything that you have heard, we have heard confirms. As everything we that we have heard confirms. And what other nation on earth can be compared to your people, Israel, whom you sent forth to redeem yourself from Egypt by awe, ex ex inspiring deeds, as you drove out other nations and their gods, you have established your people Israel as your own forever, and the Lord became their God. And now, Lord God, in regard to the promises that you have made concerning your servant and his house, do what you have promised, so that your name will be exalted forever, and the people will say, The Lord God, the Lord of hosts, is the God of Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established before you. Since you, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, made this revelation to your servant, I shall build a house for you. Therefore, your servant has found the courage to offer this prayer to you. And now, Lord, Lord God, you are God and your words are true. You have made this generous promise to your servant. Therefore, bless the house of your servant so that it may remain ever before you for you for you lord god have spoken
and with your blessings the house of your servant will be blessed forever. Amen. So, this is Second uh, Samuel chapter 7, from verse 1 all the way down to verse 29. This is from the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 11, starting from verse 15. The, seven, the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and voices in heaven were heard crying loudly. The kingdom of the world belongs to the Lord and his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. The, then the twenty-fourth elder who, who sat, who sit on the throne, the twenty-four elders who sit on the thrones in the presence of God prostrated themselves and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, Lord God Almighty, who are and who were, for you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations rose in rage, but now your wrath has come. It is time for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets as well as the saints who revere your name, both small and great, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. There followed flash of lightnings, rumblings, peals of thunder, and an earthquake, and a violent hailstorm. Now we go to chapter 12 of the book of Revelation. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, and a crown of 12 stars in her, on her head. She was with child and about to give birth, crying out loud in the anguish of her labor. Then another sign appeared in heaven, a great red dragon, with seven heads and ten horns, and seven dediums crowning his head. His tail swept away a third of the stars in the sky and hurled them to the earth. Then the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child as soon as it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who is destined to rule all the nations with an iron rod, and her child was taken up directly to God and to his throne. The woman herself fled into, into the wilderness, where she would be looked after for, 12, for 1260 days in, in a place prepared for her by God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now I'll read Luke, uh, from Luke chapter 1, St. Luke's Gospel chapter 1, uh, starting from verse 26, uh, the Annunciation, and I'll read straight through uh, to Mary visits Elizabeth, uh, and I'll read also the Canticle of Mary, okay? So let's begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth 
to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled by his words and wondered in her heart what this salutation could mean. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? <clears throat> the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible for God. Then Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, let it be done to me according to your word. And after this, the angel departed from her. I will continue from here. This is verse 39. In those days, Mary sent out and journeyed to the, in haste into the hill country to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. Then Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she explained with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why am I so greatly favored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? For behold, the moment that the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that what the Lord has said to her will be fulfilled. <clears throat> Continuing, verse, 30, verse 46, the Canticle of Mary, also known as the Magnificat. And Mary, so, Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on, on the lowliness of his servant. Henceforth all generation, generations will call me blessed. The Mighty One has done great things for me and holy is his name. His mercy is shown from age to age. Let those who fear him, to those who fear him, he has shown the strength of his arm. He has routed those who are arrogant in the desires of their heart. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has come to the aid of his of, of Israel, his servant, ever mindful of, of his merciful love. According to the promise, 
he made to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. Mary remained with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned to her home. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, the readings uh, I picked out for this one, um, I didn't get a chance to do anything for Our Lady of Guadalupe. And so I wanted to um, put something together that expressed a lot about the Blessed Virgin Mary and her role. Uh, I believe in her role as... um, co-redemptrix I do believe in it I think that she definitely does um, operate and work with our Lord uh, in saving souls and in bringing salvation to all of us the first part in Genesis we witness both the fall and the promise of a savior we witness the uh, the original sin of our parents, and you know if you ever um, like at mass during Easter, you hear the uh, the cantor singing that beautiful epic poem when it uh, talks about uh, you know the happy fault of Adam. Meaning, you know, even though it was a misfortune, it was unfortunate tragedy, uh, it was still the happy fault, in a sense, because it brings everything um, to light that God himself planned, uh, planned ahead of time. And then, of course, you see the, uh, the promise, the promised seed of the woman. Uh, the hostility between the woman and the serpent that the descendant the the seed which is the woman's uh, son her and her uh, her son they will crush the head of the serpent then you go into the part about David if you notice how David was so happy that the ark of the Lord should come to him. And that you see how Elizabeth says, how does how 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 is it that the mother of my Lord should be should come to me? And how her unborn son John the Baptist leaped leapt in her womb just as David leapt and danced before the ark of the Lord. We see these these beautiful, and then you see the image in the book of Revelation, how John the Apostle sees the, the temple of heaven open, and then he sees the ark of the Lord, and then he sees the woman clothed with the sun, with 12 stars on her head. All these are images, images that that speak to that the ark was never just a, a golden box, a car, a beautifully carved golden box. It was a, it was a creation. It was a person. 
the ark of the Lord is a person, always was meant to be a person. How can we say that something, yes, it's beautiful and it's a holy object. It's a sacred object, but it's a person. Just as there was an Adam and Eve in the beginning, there was an Adam and Eve in salvation history. All right? Mary is the true Eve. Christ is the new and true Adam. That's the truth. That is the truth and we know it. As Catholics, as Christians, we know it. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. How can we say that she is not the mother of God, that she is not the Theotokos? Protestants, if you notice, like... There's a lot of them now that has a deep attraction to Judaism, to the traditions of Judaism, to the customs of Judaism, to the rituals of Judaism, to the uh, uh, holy rituals of Judaism, because they have they have deprived themselves, and I truly believe this, of Catholic, of the Catholic faith, of the Apostolic Catholic Church. That's why so many of them. If it's not Judaism, <clears throat> they tend to run into the arms of uh, of Orthodox Christianity, which is not a bad thing, except the fact that because it's not the Catholic Church, you know, and in some cases, who can blame them the way the mess of the church is right now? Honestly, I can't blame them because there's so we're in such a state of a mess, but yet. It doesn't mean they're running away from a problem, uh, away from a problem either, because they may find themselves in a new problem. Whenever there's human beings, there's always going to be some kind of problem, some kind of crisis, because we can't run away from it. Jesus proved that proved this to us, to the very fact that he had a Judas in his day, and we have Judases in our day. So we can't, you know, we we have to learn to accept. Not, not to, not to accept the sins. No, not never, never their criminal acts and sins. But the fact that Jesus warned us that there will be scandals, and scandals must come and will come. What we have to do is we have to learn to navigate and to deal with the storm. That's why he taught us these things. When he fell asleep in the boat and there was a storm. And when the apostles were alone in the boat and there was a storm and he was walking on the water. Because storms and storms and troubles and tribulations and trials will come. Okay. That's something we have to learn. And that's why, that's why we have Our Lady our lady, the rosary, to help us through these things. The beauty of the of the story of, of Guadalupe was this just, just when we had a reformation going on in the new in the old world in Europe, 
Martin Luther and, and Henry VIII and hundreds of millions of people abandoned the Catholic Church, right? Many of them probably ignorantly, many of them probably not by choice, maybe because they were pressured and threatened, but many others definitely um, through through means to harm to harm the church of God, to harm the church of Christ, to harm the people of God. And they did. The church went through a horrible uh, trial. But then this fantastic apparition took place in the new world, what we called the new world. And even then, the people here in this, in this world, they suffered horribly. They suffered horribly, uh, not not so much under the hands of, of clergy. It was more under the hands of the Spanish conquistadors. They were horrible. Many of them even fought each other, killed each other, because they all came here for one reason, many of these people. They came here because they wanted power. And they, they treated the Indians here horribly. It was a scandal, and that's the problem. This is something we have to understand. Whenever you have human beings, you're going to have problems. It doesn't matter whether they're white, whether they're European Spanish, whether they're French, whether they're black, whether they're Asian, whether they're Arabs, whether they're uh, uh, pre-Columbian Colombian Indians, it doesn't matter. You're going to have problems with human beings. You're going to have greed. You're going to have sexual lust. You're going to have uh, people who have problems with alcohol and drugs. You're going to have people who are addicted to violence. You're going to have problems with human beings. To put one up against the other and to say one is one race is greater more greater evil than the other is absolutely naive and stupid and to even say one race is more racist than the others is even more naive and stupid because you're going to be disappointed all right you're going to be disappointed it's a sad fact but an interesting thing i learned Jesus promised, and we know this in the Gospels, that the gates of hell will never prevail. There's actually more serious meaning to that than I think we realize. Now, why would he say that to Simon Peter? In Caesarea Philippi, there's a cliff rock. And this is probably where the incident took place, where there's a actually a... Um, a cavern, a hole, where a, uh, at some point pagan sacrifices, human sacrifices were performed. And they had a pantheon of gods, of all the Greek and Roman gods pop around that area. That area was actually chiefly dedicated to Pan. You know the image of Pan. Pan the the um the greek god who um he has the lower part 
the body of a goat and has horns. He plays a flute, maybe. Sometimes they show him in uh, in um, uh, Renaissance paintings. He's he's playing a fiddle <laughs> or something. But anyway, he's that it place, and he's also uh, that place was dedicated to this particular uh, pagan god, pagan I, I, idol, and he's not just music technically he's also he's the god of debauchery the god of orgies the god of lust he has connections with lust with like orgies mainly orgies he you know debauchery a lot of him is related to debauchery and so they would cast their victim or the dead body or whatever. I don't know exactly how they did it. And if when they hit the rocks, yeah, <laughs> when they hit the rocks, the victim hits the rocks. If the victim splits open, it means they're damned. Pretty creative, right? From uh, the, pig, uh, the, the human uh, pagan attitude. If not, I guess maybe it doesn't mean it. I don't know. But the thing is, the horrible thing is that you're throwing a victim, whether dead body or alive, down there. And the term itself, the gates of hell, because since that was the entrance into hell, the gates of hell, meaning that, the, that no matter how debaucherous things get, it will not overcome the church. And we've had we've had bad popes, we've had popes that, you know, under the Medici's, under the Borgias, they were pretty debaucherous. They were extremely debaucherous in some cases. It didn't destroy the church. We've had popes with mistresses. We've had popes with, you know, it. He didn't. Jesus didn't promise that that the successors of Saint Peter. And I know, it's sad. That this because Peter was a married man, at least we think he was at the time, unless he was a widow. But the problem is because human beings in have a habit of falling back into debauchery, the, the culture and the society. Our culture and society is a pretty debaucherous society. It is, it is extremely corrupt, horrible society. We have transgenderism. We have people trying to push pedophilia. There's people trying to push pedophilia now. I don't know if you've seen it. They're trying to make excuses for it. Can you believe that we got to this point now in the United States of America? I can't believe it. And yet, it shouldn't surprise us because human history has proven it. The, the the fact remains is that our society has gone so far from the Christian the Christian faith. We li we are living in a post Christian society. We are living in a post Christian era. Okay, the 
The whole idea that was happening now is because human beings have been so deprived of a of Christian morality, of Christian Christian decency, biblical decency, true Christian morality, that they that they don't know what it is. They don't know what good is anymore. They don't know what decent is anymore. They don't know what is moral. They don't know how to treat another person moral without treating the other person as an object to be used. They want to run away from the limits of their own sexual... uh, They want to run away from sexual limitations. They want to run away from the laws of nature that their bodies are <clears throat> are subject to. You know, you have sex, you have to expect what the laws of sex are are set to. It pregnancy that your body was made to produce life. They don't want that. They don't want those limitations. They don't want to admit to the reality that what their bodies are. Our bodies are prone. Sexuality is not just for pleasure. It is to bring life into the world. Whether you like it or not, these are the laws of nature. All right? Animals live in it. All right? What the difference between them and us is that they're not subject to lust the way we are we lust becomes an addiction to us you know we're addicted to it we're we're subject to it you know we we go crazy because we're also intellectual beings and it brings pleasure to us okay it you know we we like pleasure we love the feeling of pleasure and so some people get addicted and they want more of it. And they don't want to admit it. They don't want to admit to this thing because this is why we're just not animals. We also have reason. We also have a sense of, of right and wrong. You know, we, 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 we can't just let our passions take over where we become mindless, mindless monsters, because I don't think it's even beasts. I don't think even it's fair to say that because a rapist is a mindless monster. Is And the reason why he's a monster, because he's, he's a human being who should know what reason is, who should know right from wrong, Right? The Nazis, what's, what's scary about them is that they they behaved like mindless monsters, but they but they were human beings. Human beings with reason and thinking and an intellect. Therefore they should know right from wrong. Okay. Every human being should know right from wrong. Taking a life without taking a life uh, 
for selfish reasons is wrong. Executing someone or hurting another human being for pleasure, for the sake of pleasure. And yes, abortion is because you don't like something that came along and disrupted your selfishness. Your selfish means you're a human being that is an innocent child. All right? And therefore, we you should know the re- you should know it's wrong. You know, it's it's a sad state we're living in. It's a sad a sad place we're in. It's sad and heartbreaking. We can't as Christians not speak up. We can't remain silent. The Holy Spirit will not remain silent. Christ, God the Son, and God the Father will not remain. The the saints of heaven will not remain silent. The church cannot remain silent. Go out and preach the gospel to every nation, to all to all nations, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And then what we know, I mean, he said words like these. Anyone who follows me must pick up his cross, deny themselves, and follow and walk in my footsteps. He who looks back is not worthy of me. Whoever leaves father, mother, wife, and children in home will be will be rewarded ten times over. Whoever leaves land and home will be rewarded in heaven. So we have to deny ourselves. We have to deny ourselves. We have to deny that which holds us back. We have to deny these things. We have to pick up the cross, embrace the cross. The road to heaven is straight and narrow. The road to hell is wide and many people make it. Many people go to hell more. Remember what also he said. He said, we, we will make enemies within our own homes and our own families. We, we know that I did not come to bring peace but the sword I did not come to bring peace but the sword one's own enemies will be one's own family members a mother-in-law against a daughter-in-law mother against daughter father 
father-in-law against son-in-law, father against son, brother against sister, brother against brother, sister against sister. One's own enemies will be one's own family members. I did not come to bring peace, but the sword. I did not come to bring peace, but division. The gospel is division. Christ, belief in Christ would bring problems. It has to bring problems. Even within our own culture here in America, we're starting to get these problems. In England, they're suppressing the gospel of against one preaching on the street. All right, where even 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 within our own church, we're having we're, we're, we're having division. Even within the Catholic Church, we're having division. If there's no division, then there's no faith. Division means that there has to be faith. And that's that's a fact. We need to acknowledge this. We can't remain quiet. We have to. Even if it means we make enemies with our own religious community, even within the Catholic Church, within the very, in our own parishes, within our own family members, how the gospel should be lived, how the gospel should be practiced. Even if we bring the wrath of the Pope down, the wrath of ma the magisterium down, we're, we need to do it. The Catholic faith has to be preached. If it's not preached, then there is no faith. It's, 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 it's obvious. Even we see that in the book and the Acts of the Apostles. We see that. All right. Let's uh, move on from here. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Now, the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, 
The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in the day of battle. Be our protection against the wild and wicked attacks of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the worlds, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. And also the Our Father. I almost forgot. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Amen.